Please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. The passage may be found in your pew Bibles on page 961. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, which is the translation that Pastor Wes Holland will be preaching from. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in the life only, we are people most to be pitied. But... In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. May God bless our understanding of the reading from his holy word. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I must say, I really enjoy all the the young guys, the interns um, leading worship and all the work that they put into it. I, I feel like it really adds a lot to our, our worship, and I'm glad to give them the experience as the church gave me experience when I was young. But it's, it's kind of hard to get out of the starting gate coming in uh, with the sermon. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we worship you because you have loved us so. You have given your son, Jesus Christ, to that awful cross. He went there willingly. In fact, your word says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And we were that joy. Oh, Lord, we worship you for Uh, your resurrection, we ask that you would uh, help us to consider this passage of Scripture, help us to consider this question, uh, what if Christ were not raised from the dead? And I pray that you would use uh, your word to ratchet down our faith in our Lord Jesus. Uh, Work among us, pour out your Spirit, Uh, Use your word in our heart and in our life, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Our society has seen fit to separate faith from reality. Uh, Christian truth truth claims are relegated to the realm of faith and are ruled out of order without discussion in various debates concerning science or ethics or politics or even just daily living. Uh, Christians are being told to to shut up, go to the corner. 
Um, there's an overt attempt to make our society more secular and less religious. And to a large degree, this is working. Uh, our nation is becoming more secular at a rapid pace. Uh, the religious life of most Americans has been replaced by psychology. Uh, the quest for salvation has been replaced by a quest for pleasure or fulfillment or a healthy lifestyle. Uh, meaning in life has been replaced with finding meaning within oneself. Uh, the quest to conform oneself to reality has been replaced with the quest to create one's own reality. Instead of living for eternity, our society lives for the present. And I just saw an article within the last few days where the point was being made that uh, there is a crisis of purpose, a crisis of meaning, and a culture of despair. And I wish I had read it, uh, but I've been hearing this and have known this for the past two decades, been seeing it, and it's been, but it's been coming um, uh, at, a, at, at warp speed, it seems like, this past year. And now everybody who is paying attention can see it clearly. Uh, our culture is not only uh, divided, but it's hate-filled. Uh, one citizen toward another. Despair marks our age. Mental health issues are surging. Uh, truth is so rarely spoken in the media that nobody knows what's really happening in our nation. And a secular society, by definition, will become more tyrannical and more cruel. You know, in uh, a decade ago, if I were trying to make this point, I'd point back to the 20th century. And I'd point back to the fact that uh, over 100 million people were killed, were executed by their own governments during the 20th century. I mean, it, it's easily so. Uh, the uh, Soviet Union in order to uh, break the, the, the will of the people, in order to bring in the communist Marxist uh, ideology and bring it into real life, uh, 40 million people uh, were killed either in the work camps or just overtly executed. And then in, in communist China, 60 million during their cultural revolutions to bring in Marxism. But now, I don't have to point to those uh, great tragedies. I can point to any mundane headline that you might read in the newspapers or on the internet. Uh, our nation, our governors, um, our fellow citizens uh, are becoming more cruel in the way we act towards one another, in the things that we say. Our government does not mind um, lording itself over us. 
And I'm not talking about um, the present political situation. I'm talking about over the past 10, 20 years that's been evident. And it's just been growing at a pace. And the media feels unaccountable as it feeds us outrageous lies. Lies that are on the face of it. Untrue. And so our response as Christians is to do what? It's tempting to let society eat itself. It's tempting to stay cloistered here in the church building while the, while the, the world burns. But we cannot do that. Our faith requires that we be in the world, but not of the world. Uh, for us to just let the world eat itself is for ourselves to be unloving and unconcerned about our neighbor. Uh, and, and also, our faith is grounded in reality. Uh, Christianity, or for Christians, uh, reality matters. Truth matters. History matters. What happens in history matters. Verification of the Christian faith uh, or truth claims matter. Christianity is anchored in reality. Why do I say this? Jesus Christ lived on earth as a son of God and he died a substitutionary death on the cross. That really happened. If you were in Jerusalem at the time and you had uh, gone to, um, to the... Uh, to see the, the crucifixion of the Lord, you would have seen him on the cross. You would have seen the sign that says, this is the king of the Jews. You would have seen him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you would have heard his last cry, it is finished. Our Lord Jesus died in reality. It's not something that we can excise off to a realm of faith. If it happened or didn't happen, it doesn't really matter. No. He died on the cross. He also rose from the dead. His body is no longer in the grave. There were many eyewitnesses that saw and even touched Jesus after his resurrection, he was on the earth 40 days with the disciples, with other of the disciples. Uh, we have eyewitness testimony from the Gospels. We have eyewitness testimony from the book of Acts. We even have eyewitness testimony that the Apostle Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians 15. It's not in our text, but I'll read it anyway. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. The Apostle Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised from the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared, 
Here's verification of eyewitnesses. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. In other words, these are not just faith claims that are made up and only become reality when we believe them. No, Jesus lived here on earth. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. His body is no longer in the grave. And all these witnesses saw him, spoke with him, touched him. And then they went and proclaimed him and all of the twelve disciples and many of the witnesses died for him. They carried their testimony even to the point of death. Would they have done that if this were all a sham? The Christian faith is anchored in reality. If we let the world tell us to go and sit in a corner uh, that we can operate in the realm of opinion or subjectivity or, or unreality, well, then we allow our faith to no longer become useful. It's still true. God is God, but we make ourselves ineffective. What did Jesus say about salt that becomes ineffective, useful for nothing but to be tossed out and trampled under by the feet of men? And this is Paul's argument here in our passage. Uh, There were people in the Corinthian congregation who denied the resurrection of the dead, and they were not driving towards secularism like is happening today. Rather, uh, there was a heavy influence of Greek uh, philosophy at the time, and there was this belief in the immortality of the soul. And because the soul was said to be immortal, then the body would not rise from the dead. And that was the error that the Apostle Paul was uh, addressing. Now, the the drive towards secularization uh, today is not based on science, but it's based on the Enlightenment philosophy and also an unspoken attempt for each person to run their own lives as if they were God. And we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, Paul, in arguing against this, draws out the implications of denying uh, the resurrection to show how, how flawed these claims were that were being made in the Corinthian church. And frankly, Paul's reasoning holds true 2,000 years later. And it points out how flawed are the present-day claims that Jesus did not rise from the dead. So let's look at the text. Uh, He draws out five implications. uh, If, in fact, or from from this idea that Jesus did not rise from the dead, he drives it down to the logical 
conclusion. Verses 12, um, well, I'll wait on, on that. Um, the big implication is that if the dead are not raised, then what about Jesus? Was he raised? He says, if the dead are not raised, Jesus is not raised uh, from the dead. Verses 12 through and, and 13. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But there, if, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So, if Christ has not been raised, what help of what value is a dead corpse to you? How can a lifeless body in a grave help you spiritually? How can a lifeless body in the grave give you eternal life? Jesus' resurrection vindicated Christ's identity and his work of salvation. If there was no resurrection, then there was no Savior. It's basically what Paul is saying here. In verse 14, he begins a list of several more implications. Verse 14 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. You know, this morning I came for the... uh, the uh, sunrise service, I, I came in, I guess, about 6 a.m. It was still dark, and I passed a couple of uh, trucks ready to be pull, pull out of their driveway, and the trucks um, hitched up to uh, a boat, or I guess a boat's hitched up to the truck, I guess would be a, a more accurate way of saying it. And uh, they were going out to do some fishing. You know, it's a beautiful day outside. Uh, perfect for being outdoors. And if Christ did not rise from the dead, then Paul is saying, then you should be out fishing instead of listening to the blowhard uh, preacher uh, proclaiming fantastical uh, claims that are unattached to reality. So he says our preaching is in vain. He also says our faith is in vain. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then there is no resurrection from the dead at all. There's no life after death. There's no Christian hope whatsoever. There's no God who promises to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. This morning in sunrise service, we talked about the looming shadow of death. That it's not only that we will face death at the end of our life, but we face death many times in our life as we uh, get seriously ill. It reminds us that our body is going to wear out. As our loved ones die, it reminds us of our own mortality. As we get older and are not able to do the things that we used to do and take for granted, it's reminding us that this body is weak and that it will indeed die. And so the shadow of death just looms over us. And 
If there is no resurrection from the dead, there's no God who will walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. No hope. Life is tragic. Um, and all of life loses its luster, becomes, uh, frankly, unlivable. No purpose, no meaning in life if there's no God. And then Paul goes on and he says, and if, there, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, basically, I'm lying to you. Verse 15 if we are even found to be misrepresenting, or sorry, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. You know, I've, as a pastor, I've stood before you. I've told you about God answering my prayers. I've talked about God working in my life. I've testified how he's worked in other people's lives. But if Christ was not raised from the dead, then everything I've said is a lie. In fact, I am preaching to you a set of lies this morning. That's Paul's arguments. You know, Paul saw the, the resurrected Lord. His conversion was on the Damascus Road where he, he saw Christ before Christ blinded him. He was doing miracles out among the people, testifying to these miracles. And he says, but if Christ was not raised, then everything, my whole life, and all my preaching is just one big fat lie. Uh, the Apostle Paul, we saw here, he is not relying on his own authority, even though he's an apostle. He refers the, the Corinthians to the 500 witnesses, to Peter who saw the Lord Jesus Christ, to James, to all the disciples. In other words, neither am I my own, test, my own authority. Um, the, the, uh, the apostles referred to the Word of God, and they referred to the testimony of witnesses because Christianity is rooted in reality. And uh, so the, the apostles, as they were... Sorry, I, I got two, two thoughts crossed in my mind. But as they were going, they knew that Christ indeed was not um, still in the grave. He rose from the dead. And then verses 16 and 17, Paul says, if Christ was not raised from the dead, you are still in your sins. Verses 16 and 17, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Or we could say empty. It's in vain. And you are still in your sins, he says. God is our creator. He has created us with eternity in our hearts. Everyone is instinctively knows that uh, God is holy and that he has given us a sense of right and wrong. 
Uh, and that's why we go through life with uh, a sense of guilt and angst. We know that we will have to stand before God and give account. We know these things innately simply because we are created by our Creator. He's put eternity in our hearts. And people work really hard to suppress it, but they know it. And so, Paul says, if Christ did not rise from the dead... How will your sins be paid for? How will your guilt be removed? How will they be atoned? You'll carry them into eternity if Christ has not been raised. Then uh, again, verse 18, you will not see your loved ones who have died. He says in verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Christ has not been uh, raised from the dead. Then when you die, your life is over. And that's it. When your loved ones who died before you died, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then their life is over. That's it. Basically, what has life become? Well, Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, with a bit of snark, uh, said what life would be like. And he used his own life as an example. He said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched within my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which uh, to water the forest of growing trees. And then I'll skip on down uh, because it's a long passage. He says, I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. What is he saying here? He's saying... I realized no matter what I did, I am going to die just like the, the poor and uneducated. He goes on, Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool, so I hated my life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. This basically summarizes what Paul's saying in our passage. All of life is vanity, a striving after the wind, if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Your life amounts to nothing. 
Also, the life of your loved ones amounts to nothing. Everybody's life amounts to nothing. And then you'll never see your loved ones again. And so Paul says, verse 19, basically, we of all people are to be most pitied. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You know, we follow Christ devotedly all our lives. We, as devoted followers of Christ, we die to ourselves daily. We take up our cross. We say no to the pleasures of the world. We seek to obey Christ even when it is costly. And Paul says, if Christ has not died, then our whole life has been a mistake, a total waste. You know, it's as big as a waste as the Marxist, uh, Marxist utopian who works his whole life or her whole life to bring in the Soviet Union, to bring communism uh, to its full fruition in the, the, the Soviet Union. And where's the Soviet Union today? It's been thrown on the dustbin of history. And all the work that men and women have done trying to bring the Soviet Union to fruition, all for nothing. Their whole life and their life's work was a total waste. Or the, uh, the terrorist who blows himself up in service to a false god. His life is a total waste. And Paul is saying, if Christ has not died, our life is just like theirs. A big waste. What's there to do if Christ has not been raised? Well, Paul actually addresses this in the chapter a little later on, verse 32. He says, what do I gain, humanly speaking, if I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. He says that's basically what life um, amounts to. Eat, drink, for tomorrow you die. There's no higher purpose, no meaning in life, Enjoy." this life that you have because you will soon die. But verse 20 turns everything upside down, or should I say right side up. The Apostle Paul, I think Jimbo is tired of hearing me be such a bummer. (laughs) Um, Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Because Christ has been raised from the dead, everything changes. Everything changes in the world. Everything changes for you. The implications of Christ being raised from the dead are just as far-reaching, even more so than if he were not raised from the dead. If he were not raised from the dead, where is there any accountability? But because he has been raised from the dead, there is ultimate 
accountability. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account what we have done. You cannot sit on the sidelines. None of us can sit on the sidelines if Christ has been raised from the dead. If Christ has been risen, if he is seated on the, on the, at the right hand of God, then there is only one course of action for each one of us. We must humble ourselves and follow him because he has been raised from the dead. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is your God. You must follow him. You must repent of your sins. You must trust in him. There's no little pin off to the side for neutral people trying to figure it out. His resurrection guarantees our resurrection. That's why we're so happy this morning, except for all the the gloom and doom I brought during the first two-thirds of the sermon. But Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, we have life. Because Christ rose from the dead, we have a future. Because Christ rose from the dead, our bodies at the end of history will rise from the grave to meet our souls and to meet our Savior in the air. And we will forever be with the Lord. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears, no more death. Because Christ rose from the dead. And I'm going to be quick here, uh, I, but I do want to explain why Christ and his resurrection mean guarantees our life from the dead. When the Lord Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, in his death, he killed our spiritually dead hearts. We were rebels before God. Our heart was set against God Uh, We were at war with God. We would kill him if we could. And the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross killed our spiritually dead hearts. And then, as the gospel is preached, he implants that new heart in you and causes you to believe. You are a new creature in Christ when you become a Christian. The old is gone. The new has come. You have new desires. You have a new power to say no to sin and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in, in obedience. So you have a new heart, in, new heart in Him. You also have a new record. He takes your record and wipes it clean. That's what He did on the cross. His blood washes all your sins away. And then you also have a new life. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 says, In His resurrection... You have a new life. You don't have to live that old life that was headed toward hell, that was headed away from God. You have a new life that, to follow him and love him, to love your neighbor, to serve Christ in his kingdom. And so Christ did all that on the cross. And then by his resurrection, everything he did was vindicated and made available to you. You are a Christian now. 
Not because you're a good person. Not because you figured things out. You were a Christian because the Lord Jesus Christ did it on the cross and gives you his salvation. And all you need do is trust in him for what he has done for you and for who he is to follow him and to love him. That's the gospel. And then he says, to conclude, again, verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does it mean, the firstfruits? His resurrection was the firstfruits. And what is the first fruit? Well, it's the first of the harvest. And if it's a good, if you get good first fruits, it bodes well for the rest of the harvest. The Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection was the first fruits. We are the crop, and Christ has been gleaning us for himself. And at the end of history, when he returns, all the rest of the crops will be brought in as he, our bodies rise from the grave. Christians, I want to wish you a glorious and happy resurrection day because our Lord Jesus has indeed risen from the grave. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to... Um, to glory in our resurrection, to live obedient lives because we are living resurrected lives, to be self-sacrificial both towards you and towards our neighbor because we have new lives, eternal lives uh, in Christ. Oh, Lord, our God, I pray that if there are any here who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been sitting on the sidelines, oh, Lord, I pray that they would move off the sidelines and do business with the Lord Jesus because he rose from the dead. I pray in his name. Amen.